the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Craig Needles. The London Free Press Podcast returning for another week and another new episode. We are focusing on the biggest and most important stories in London and the surrounding area. And who better to do that with than London Free Press reporter, award-winning London Free Press reporter, many, many awards. Randy Richmond joins us on the podcast today. Randy, thank you very much for doing this with us. We appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, something you're working on right now, and a piece about this ran uh, on lfpress.com last week, and there's another one uh, that uh, came out this week about it, would be a hearing for a former London police officer who is fighting criminal convictions. Uh, there are a few stories like this, obviously, that happen from time to time, but this one's particularly interesting for a few reasons. Tell us more about this story and what you're working on here. Sure. This is case involves a retired uh, ex-constable, uh, Akili Carrado, who, who left early the force earlier this year. He was charged with uh, releasing confidential information and uh, trying to influence the release of a prisoner from the uh, police station. And in the fall, uh, last fall, 2019, he pleaded, he acknowledged that he did those things, but he pleaded not guilty because his intentions uh, were honorable. He believed uh, that he was actually uh, working to break open uh, a ring of corrupt uh, police officials and uh, criminals uh, in southwestern southern Ontario. Uh, he was being led along this path by a man that we now know as Darko Jovanovic, who had uh, just recently been convicted of uh, trying to defraud uh, Windsor people by pretending to be a pediatric neurosurgeon. So an accomplished uh, and convicted con artist, he meets up with Keely Carrado. Uh, he convinces this officer um, that there's corruption in the force and uh, convinces him to release information. So, you know, the trial goes on. Um, he pleads not guilty for that reason, but the judge uh, finds him guilty. But even before the trial uh, began, there were some motions by uh, uh, Corrado's defense lawyers to adjourn things because they believed there were some uh, missing police files in the disclosure the Crown gave them. So lo and behold, uh, in February uh, of this year, the judge uh, granted uh, Corrado and his defense team an abusive process hearing. And that's the hearing I'm at uh, this week. And that involves uh, whether or not... Uh, you know, basically, Corrado uh, uh, was received, was treated fairly by London police. Two elements to that we can talk about a bit more. Mm -hmm. One element is, did he get all the information he was supposed to get from police? And second, and kind of the bigger question is, uh, can London police, is there a conflict of interest when London police investigate one of their own? And that's a good question. That speaks to the piece that you wrote last week and you had someone tell you, you know, investigate to clear was the uh, what was the phrase that was used. We'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, as we learn more about what happened here and as we get more into this hearing that uh, that you've been following this week, um, are, are, are we getting deeper into what has occurred here? Are we finding out more about it? So what, what, have, what have we heard so far? Well, what we've heard so far today is sort of the uh, uh, Keely Carrado's lawyer uh, has sort of mapped out what he's going to do. He he has questioned how the uh, 
how the police extracted the data from Corrado's phone. That was interesting. It was, it's got a bit technical, but basically um, they sent it off uh, to a, a company that does this kind of thing as a specialty. They did not click the box that says, get all the data off. So they got this back and they sent it off to the defense, defense lawyers and the defense lawyers, Corrado himself said, hmm, that seems to be something missing here. Turns out there were, uh, they hired an expert who went back and found out that they had this uh, unclicked box on their online order form, I guess you want to call it. Uh, so that was one of the problems. There were not, the disclosure wasn't complete. There was also some talk about how the a phone seized, uh, Corrado's phone was seized, of course, and Darko Jovanovich's phone was seized. And uh, they were supposed to be turned off once the police seized them, but there was evidence that they'd been turned on. Any of these things could be nefarious or not nefarious. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And that was another point today is that there's no way of telling, you know, there's no way of telling intent and there's no way even of telling if anything got damaged or uh, changed when they were on. So that's kind of the technical part about, you know, there's missing files. There's going to be questions. I think the judge is going to have to, will consider from the sounds of the arguments, the judge is going to consider whether there was sort of this mal- malicious intent to do this. I think the bigger question and what the defense lawyer uh, was saying today was, there's a conflict of interest because although the Ontario Provincial Police kind of oversaw this investigation, the real legwork was done by Lennon Police. And so that's that he says is a conflict of interest. That's interesting because I'm not sure it's ever been raised in court before that police investigating themselves is a conflict and therefore an abusive process. Now, in a lot of cases, when it involves the death or injury of a civilian, we have the special investigations unit that investigates, but this is not one of those. The SIU is not part of this. So tell us more about police investigating yourselves. You mentioned this has not been brought up in a courtroom before. And I know that you've talked to experts who have said, yeah, this may be something to be concerned about. Right. Yeah. We talked to some experts uh, about this, including two former police officers um, one uh, was involved in the uh, giant uh, pro- uh, corruption probe in Toronto um, about 2008 or so. He was an internal investigator, so he knows this stuff firsthand. And he talked about what you mentioned. He talked about that um, investigate to clear. That's kind of a when you get the order from on high, or if you're an investigator for internal affairs or for your professional standards branch, he says sometimes you can get a little, you know, nudge from above saying, this is an investigate to clear. In other words, do your work, but the result will be that this guy gets cleared or a woman. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, he says, they can also say the people from above can say, we don't like this person. Uh, they're a pain, you know, so throw everything you got at them. And so, you know, the, the, the other experts, you know, the experts are saying there's a bias built. There can be a bias built in. You, everybody's biased, right? Mm-hmm. So you've been working with someone for 10, 20 years and, uh, you know, you get a chance to get rid of them. Some chiefs might do that. You know, so there's this pressure from above that can go either way uh, to either clear the person or throw the book at them. So that sort of presents this conflict of interest. And that raises a question among these experts and others is why would you ever have your own police force investigate their own officers? So uh, across Canada, we did a bit of a survey for the story about, you know, what other police forces do. A lot do exactly what London does. It's up to the police's just chief's discretion to decide where it goes, aside from SIU cases, of course. Some other ones, though, um, Victoria, for example, they go automatically to a different force. Uh, And Quebec looks like it's the same thing. They automatically to a different police force, um, regardless of the chief doesn't have the discretion to determine who does that. 
So it, there's models out there where other forces, police forces do it, police departments do it. Uh, some of the experts and advocates we talked to said, yeah, that's okay, but why don't we just have sort of a separate thing altogether for internal affairs, which, which oddly enough, Chicago has, and it sounds like it's its own entity, own ability, answers to no one, and basically you know, investigates when officers are, are accused of criminal wrongdoing. Yeah, that's a very interesting part of this just because, look, there's been a lot of talk, especially recently, about accountability for police. And can we have full accountability for police if it is the the phrase police investigating police? And again, doesn't always turn out this way as far as uh, let's make sure this particular person gets clear. But you're right, there could be some biases there. So interesting that we're having a conversation about this in the courtroom right now because obviously if this becomes something that uh, defense teams can rely on or whatever it happens to be that, hey, maybe we shouldn't have police investigating police. It's just a matter of time until you would think the system's going to get changed, right? You you would think so. I mean, and you, and you mentioned it, it's, it's basically one person's decision mm-hmm. all the time. And you're relying on the honor of a police chief, which, you know, maybe thing you can rely on a lot. You may have a good chief one year and a bad one the next, but we're always coming down to one person's decision on important matters um so you know this abusive process hearing could speak to future hearings so far what we've seen at the free press is some sort of civil lawsuit action um you know where there that's been the only sort of redress so far we saw that earlier uh um, this year when when we broke a story about uh, a a constable sladek who was suing the police force his own colleagues again he was a london is a london police officer um still is one and he is suing his own force and some of his colleagues because of an investigation that a court hearing actually ruled was uh, um, not complete at best and led to charges against him. He was acquitted of those charges and now he's turned around and suing, suing the, the police department. So, you know, whether you can, tr- you know, whether you trust a current administration or not, it, it gets messy when you are investigating your own people. It just seems to be common sense to many people, uh, you know, that, you know, it's the same thing when there's harassment cases and that school boards and institutions will go to an outside investigator. Their own internal ones are often suspect. You just don't do that anymore. If you want accountability, you have to have someone outside the department to do the investigations. Yeah, uh, and and I would hope that's where we wind up uh, uh, going with with this. No matter what you think of this case, I think there are cases where perhaps uh, having more than one person who happens to be the chief of police being involved in it is probably a good thing when it comes to the decision process here. So on the the subject of this particular case, how much uh, more is there to hear as far as this uh, particular hearing goes? Uh, is it going to be the rest of the week, a couple of days? Uh, what are we looking at here and uh, what kind of results are possible here? Well, they're looking for they're looking to have this hearing continue all week long. So, a five day hearing has been set aside for it. Um, we're going to hear uh, during this hearing from the the, the uh, London police officer Cam Halliday, who was uh, part of the uh, investigation. I believe he's on. Uh, he'll be on soon this week. And you know, I'm not really sure where it will go from there. I mean, the the uh, the the judge in this case who oversaw. Uh, uh, Akili Carrado's trial um, is very, he's a, he's a very sharp judge. He's uh, can be crusty, uh, but for both sides. And I was surprised to tell you the truth after watching the trial that 
Uh, he allowed an abusive process hearing because he certainly didn't seem like he was going to when the argument was first raised. So it's really hard to tell where this is going to go or what the result will be. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure what sort of precedents are set. It's certainly a good question that we should follow up if indeed there's a decision that says, you know, one way or the other, we shouldn't be doing this. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, the people I talk to, the experts and advocates are watching this too, because I said, as I say, they've never seen such a thing, an abusive hearing, abusive process hearing for this kind of thing. So they're watching it closely. And if nothing else, you know, even a judge's comment saying this is messy, this will be enough to give them some uh, ammunition in their battles to, you know, to make things more transparent and accountable. Before we wrap up here, Randy, what's on the line here for former Constable Corrado? Well, uh, his conviction could be stayed if um, if this goes the way he wants. And, you know, that, that would obviously mean a lot to him and, and his, you know, his future. Course, yeah. Yeah. So I think he's got a lot on the line here. Um, you know, he has maintained all along that he was uh, conned by a, a clever uh, individual. Uh, he lost a lot of money himself uh, by giving, you know, being told to protect this individual and help him in any way possible. So, you know, he, he's already lost a lot. Um, this would regain, I think, some, some measure of, of, you know, respect in his community and, you know, show that perhaps he was, um, you know, perhaps he was the victim of a system, not necessarily a police department, a victim of a system that, you know, sh shouldn't be investigating officers yeah. the way that it is. Yeah. And maybe as he said, he was just trying to do the right thing and wound up not doing the right thing. It's a, it's a very, very interesting case. We'll keep watching it uh, the rest of the week uh, for sure. Uh, Randy, anything else you want to add on this quickly before we wrap up? No, no, that's, that's great. That's great, Craig. And again, I think that the point that we're trying to make at the free press is not necessarily that the officers involved were doing the right thing or the wrong thing, either the investigating ones or the ones who are accused, but that, you know, again, we like to say that it's this, we think a system needs to be changed. Mm -hmm. We're not casting aspersions on any officers or chiefs here. We just don't think, uh, you know, we, we just question and, you know, it's free press questioning through experts is this the right thing to do? Yeah, yeah. It's not. Uh, it's not a problem with the uh, the particular players. It's a problem with the game, to use that uh, that yeah. analogy. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. We'll we'll leave it there. Randy, thank you so much for uh, joining the London Free Press podcast today. You're welcome. That's uh, London Free Press reporter Randy Richmond. You can read uh, the latest that Randy's written on lfpress.com about this ongoing hearing involving an ex-London police officer who's fighting his criminal convictions. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, I highly suggest you do so. You can do so on Spotify. You can do so on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher as well. Plus, you can follow us on YouTube or, of course, uh, uh, look out for episodes on lfpress.com. Thanks again to Randy Richmond for being part of the podcast on this episode. Hopefully, you can join us next time right here on the London Free Press Podcast.